Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Everybody Trades Podcast. And I'm John Miller. How's it going on this Friday afternoon? I'm, frankly, chipper as can be. So let's get started on this here podcast. You know what? I'm guessing people in Malibu, California, Ventura County, various places, probably aren't so chipper right now. I feel awful for these people because they've had their lives often, in some cases, quite literally burned up. Their entire savings and their entire collections, memorabilia, loved ones and their knickknacks and what have you. And in some cases, unfortunately, actual human beings have been killed in these horrible, horrible, just cataclysmic-looking fires in the California area, in Southern California in particular. And that's awful. My heart certainly goes out to these people. Now, what we have seen is in the last couple years, we can argue about the reasons for it. We've certainly seen a lot of wildfires in Southern California. And with that, with the increase in fires, as you might imagine, if you're an economics wizard, as I am, you start immediately thinking supply and demand. So what happens? If there's a demand for more fire protection and the state of California and local municipalities are not meeting that demand as quickly as they should guess what? Private fire firefighters emerge. Now, it's interesting. I just recently read a LA Times piece written by Hannah Fry and Jack Fleming, and I thought these uh, two young reporters actually did a relatively good job with this piece. They're talking about the dynamic of, and they're just the, the uh, what am I trying to say? The dynamic of firefighters, private firefighters, and public firefighters, and just how the whole private firefighter phenomenon is suddenly spraying to be in California based on the supply, the demand. But both of these young reporters, I think there was a couple instances where they let some anti, mm, anti-private anti firefighter, let's say, bias in, just anti-private sector bias in general snuck in. But I think for the most part, they actually did a fine job of portraying the benefits and the potential Things that we need to iron out about public and private cooperation, too. So let's get into that. First of all, I thought it was interesting that the person who they focused on, whose house was saved, there was somebody that they got quotes from. And she said, it's not clear whether firefighters, private or publicly funded, were responsible for saving this woman's home, but she's grateful. And this lady simply says, I just want to hug every one of them. She just wants to hug the firefighters, regardless of whether they're public or private. And that's actually a rather heartening response, because certainly if it was as much as I am anti-government on this here podcast, I have no desire to put down people who work in government, particularly firefighters who often literally risk their lives to save other people and their property. These people are heroes, regardless of whether they're private or public. My beef is not with the actual men in uniform, as it isn't with the, my beef is not with people who work at the city of Columbia, for instance. In fact, from my experience, I find people at the city of Columbia, even if I have a frustrating task or a frustrating question that I would like answered, I've often found 99% of the time they're really helpful, nice, friendly people. So again, it's not about people per se, although it is about people, because frankly, the government, the government central planner, the public firefighter model, for instance, would work 
actually better on robots than it would on humans. What I'm saying is, is actually the private model of firefighting and other things as well works better with humans than it does with robots. Does that make any sense? See, human nature is at, is at issue here. We aren't allowed... See, the public-private problem is just that. It's, it's a matter of human nature. It's not a matter of private people are good and public people are bad or reverse it. It's not a matter of that. We're all people regardless. It's just the matter of our circumstances and our motivations. So having said all that, if somebody rescued my house and they were a public firefighter, I would want to hug them as well. And I would never let go until they were satisfied with the love, my loving embrace. Really, I mean, I, I couldn't be more grateful of somebody, regardless of where their literal salary came from, whether it came from me directly or indirectly, I'm happy because a man who is not me saved my freaking house. So here's the deal. When you have a large increase in fires, you're also going to have a large increase in the demand for fire protection. So if the government is in charge of fire protection, what are they to do with that reality? Well, they can't just, the state of California cannot print money like the federal government, so therefore they have to raise taxes. Raising taxes takes time. See, you have to wait for elections, you have to wait for these things to be implemented, and you have to actually hope quote-unquote, if you're wanting more fire protection revenue, you have to hope that your voters will approve this. Now take the other side. If you're a private company, if you're a private insurer, you can immediately start looking around and saying, oh, I don't want all of these houses that I insure to go up in flames. Now why is that? You see, insurance companies make their money by collecting premiums from you. What they don't make money on is paying out to you when your house burns down. That's that's a losing proposition for insurance companies. Believe me, there's nobody more than somebody who's sold you a homeowner's insurance policy other than you. Other than you. Obviously, you're the number one person who hopes that your house doesn't burn down. But other than that, and maybe your best friends and your family, the insurance company has all of the financial incentive in the world for your house not to burn down. See, it's a great racket when they can just continue to claim your premium every month and not have to pay you out any benefits. It's fantastic. If nothing bad ever happened, insurance companies would just rake in the dough forever and ever and ever. But of course, that isn't how life works. There is risk, and things do go wrong. So therefore, that's actually why the whole insurance business exists in the first place. There's demand for people to offload some of their risk onto other people for a cost. Now, on the insurance's side of the equation, obviously, what they want is obvious. They want to keep, again, collecting your premiums without paying you out any benefits. So how are they going to do that in California? Well, in this case, a great many of them have hired a company called Wildfire Defense Systems. Now, what this company does is they are part of... They're, they're essentially a, a private fire contractor that only works with insurance companies. So you can't just dial 711 and expect to get wildfire defense systems and have them come to your house. Although there are other types of companies that will do something like that. It is at great expense. It's interesting. They call this sort of thing the insurance company, the insurance 
uh, companies having private firefighters on retainer, they were acting like, oh, this used to be a, they say this in the LA Times piece, they call it a white glove service. Well, I got news for you. Every as the, And they correctly pointed out that it's now much more available for middle class people as well. Well, that's kind of how everything works in a free economy, at least in as relatively free an economy as we have in California. You see, everything always starts as a quote-unquote white glove service or a white glove product. That's because the rich are essentially our guinea pigs when it comes to these types of things. I'm old enough to remember when owning a VHS machine, the video... Hey, kids, there used to be a thing called uh, video cassettes. See, instead of streaming Netflix, you would take your, your Netflix show, if you will. It was on this black box. And then you'd put it into this other box type thing, and it would play a tape. And that's how you watched movies. See, this was the streaming of 1988. But seriously, though, I remember quite well when my parents actually had a Betamax. A Betamax. Yes. Yes, my dad thought, I believe, that the Betamax was the way to go because, frankly, it was the higher quality versus VHS. But you know what? That little experiment went poorly because the porn industry decided we're going with VHS and the rest is history. <laughs> yes, the porn industry decides it all, doesn't it? Because yes, that's why Blu-ray beat HD DVD too. And now it's also why we'll probably never see another physical media ever again, at least as long as the internet is still in its current form. But I digress. The point is this is a good process. We shouldn't be saying, oh, we shouldn't be casting aspersions by sort of with our white glove dog whistles for people who hate anybody with more money than they do. See, it's actually okay if people are currently using these smart houses and things that are awfully glitchy because maybe they'll eventually work for when they get down into the middle class part of the market. Maybe they'll actually work. Well, I think that may be what's happening with, with private fire right now. It's starting to work a lot better. You know that we've, you've probably heard Kim Kardashian famously. Her and Kanye West had a large house at the end of the park, and they were one of the reasons that this whole private fire thing came up because they, as part of their insurance policy, again, I assume via wildfire defense systems, there's a good case, good chance of that, they had their house saved. And according to Miss Kardashian, she said if they didn't have their house saved, if, if they didn't have, then everybody else in their neighborhood, their houses would have burnt down too. And again, great. That's awesome. Shouldn't we all be happy that Kim Kardashian not only saved her house, but everybody else's house around us too? And again, I just don't like the idea that we're casting aspersions at people who are able to afford private fire through their homeowner's insurance policy. See, this is actually a good thing for society. It's not a bad thing for society just because maybe not everybody has this as a part of their policy. Well, I think as time goes along here, you're going to see more and more fire defense companies come aboard. As long as there's a demand and no artificial burdens keeping them from the market, they're going to continue to be there, which will drive down prices and continue to make all of that more accessible for everybody in the market and not just people who are in the upper crust of Malibu. And again, we're seeing that today. We're seeing lots of relatively middle-class people 
who are a part of these types of insurance policies. Now, again, we don't need – again, this is a thing – this is a good thing. The pri- this shows where private relationships are better than government relationships because if there was like a national policy, a national tax that was to help out everyone in California, people in Missouri would be forced to pay for this as well. Now, there's a reason that all these – there isn't really private fire in Missouri. It's because we're wet all the time. We don't have a lot of fi- – we don't have forest fires. We don't have this sort of thing. So really our local municipalities tend to take care of our fire problems fairly efficiently because we don't have that many. Now, on the other hand, I will say it would still be even better still if we had private here in Missouri because then we, we it's still a matter of finding out where you need all the different stations. That's a tough thing to figure out without a market in my opinion you're just going to allow one person or rely on one person or just a committee of people to decide where you want your police stations, where you want your fire departments, where you want your libraries or any sort of other public good, quote unquote, I think you're always going to have some people who have too much fire protection or too much access to the library or not enough. Distributing those things not equally, but just as they need to be, in comportment with supply and demand. See, that's what we should be looking for. The equal distribution is actually kooky in the case of private fire protection, right? We don't, California needs a lot more fire protection than we need in Missouri. That's just all there is to it. There are no real wildfire fires happening in Missouri. There's not a huge risk for that. Now, I will point out that if somebody in Missouri wanted that, they could probably find it. They could probably find an insurer who would write them that policy, and it would be a lot cheaper than the one in California because, again, an insurance adjuster can easily say, hey, it's a lot less likely it's going to happen in Missouri. Sure, we'll write you a policy, and we'll write it for you a little cheaper than we would in California because, once again, we think we can continue to collect your premium. Sure, we'll take that risk. These are the types of calculations that the government is absolutely incapable of doing. It's only individuals that can decide what, how much safety is worth to them. Frankly, we should all be wearing helmets in our cars if we want to be as safe as possible. And yet nobody that I know wears a helmet in their car. Why is that? It's because the cost of a helmet, the literal dollar amount, doesn't seem to be worth it to anybody. And also just the cost of messing up your hair before work. And that's not a joke. I really don't think people are ever going to wear a helmet in their car because it'll mess up their hair. And it's also not that comfortable. Well, a lot of people would argue it's a lot less comfortable to wear to wear a helmet on a bicycle, too. And yet we have laws that force people to do so. That doesn't make any sense to me. Now, it does make sense that you should wear a helmet while riding a bike. That part makes sense to me. It's the idea that we need to decide for everybody collectively that they need to have the same level of safety as all the rest of us that makes absolutely no sense. And I think this fire example shows that quite well. Clearly, we don't all have the same risk for fire, so why would we all want to collectively take on the same risk, the same burden of that risk. That's not fair, and it also doesn't make us safer. 
Finally, I just wanted to share a quote from Ventura County Fire Captain Brian McGrath. His, his main objection to private fleets was that they don't coordinate well with incident commanders of the public fleets. And he says that they can be a liability for firefighters on the front lines and can make their job more difficult. And he says that although he's never personally encountered that situation himself, where a private firefighter needed to, re- to be rescued, he said having them in, a, in the field can be a hazard for, and this is the... L.A. Times piece saying for, quote, professional crews. Now, there was the last bit of bias that I saw from this piece was that they called the public firefighters were professional, whereas the private firefighters were, I guess, were to believe amateur. It wasn't said that, but that was the subtext. If the public ones are professional, then I guess the private firefighters are amateur. I'm guessing that isn't the case. And I think Mr. McGrath says himself, As he says, he's never personally encountered that situation. That seems like a bit of a stretch to me. And frankly, if that is a potential problem, maybe he's right. I could see that that could be a a potential problem. Well, let's start working on that. Let's start working on a system to communicate with other firefighters. I think in a world of text message blasts and social media and, you know, bat signals, I think we can figure this out somehow. I really have, I even have faith in Ventura County and the state of California to be able to figure this one out. How to communicate with other firefighters, I think they got this. So, yes, even I have faith in government on occasion. And with that, it's been another rip-roaring episode of Everybody Trades, and I hope you all have a great weekend. Have one on me. Take it easy, everybody. Everybody.